Give the secret handshake. Check your cloaks. And remove your tinfoil hats. This is the Illuminati Social Club. The podcast you don't want they to know about. This is bullshit. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanation, but not necessarily the only ones to the mysteries we will examine. Welcome to the In Search of series here on the Illuminati Social Club. I'm your host, Jason from Parma. Joining me, as he does, from Guelph, Ontario, Canada, Mr. Oliver Oxide. Hello, all. Hello there. Oh, How's it going? How are you? I'm doing good. Well. Thanks. <laughs> and from Halifax, Nova Scotia, Doc Pinko, Steve Cloutier. Greetings. Hello there. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I love the fact that Steve shows that he's a podcasting professional by not, you know, just speaking over you speaking, Jason, whereas <laughs> I just, you know, do it on a regular basis. Uh, it's it's not being a podcaster. It's being a teacher, right? Yes. Asking questions and, and waiting for people to respond. Thank you for getting me off the hook. So No problem. Uh, so we are talking about season five, episode 20, The Chinese Explorers. Oh boy, more China. Who's excited? I guess In Search of is really getting their money's worth out of this trip. <laughs> this trip? <laughs> Holy yeah, this moly. Is, well, I mean, you know, they've done three. This is the third episode, you know, probably on the same trip. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a write-off. But oh, this yeah. episode, I know you haven't asked yet, but I've got to say it now. This episode is a collection of every B-roll they've ever taken in, in five years. <laughs> Oliver, what we, were your impressions? We're, <laughs> we're in Mexico. We even have a call back to New Hampshire from, from season one. It's like every scrap of film. Yes, I bring up the, I bring up the fake henge. Yeah, it's it's like this was to budget for the trip to China. Is that they did this episode where they just collected up all the B roll? Yes, and then the theory that they postulate, I don't even get. Someone's gonna have to explain this to me because Steve, Steve's gonna have to explain it because yeah. you know what? I didn't get it either. Steve, what were your impressions? Well, after a pretty good episode last week, we're back on the crazy train. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the crazy ship. As yeah, well, yes. Oh, yes. Yes, to be fair, the crazy ship. Oh, so. Well, we might as well get it over with. Here's Leonard. Recent archaeological discoveries in the People's Republic of China are changing America's concept of its own history. From ancient historical records, we hear of a Buddhist monk, Hu Shen, who by his own written account, appears to have landed on the American continent in 458 AD. Did the trail they took lead them to Central America? Now, new discoveries off the coast of California may furnish proof that America was discovered by Chinese explorers over a thousand years before Columbus. Who? Well, my question Who? is, so what? <laughs> yeah. Who? Yeah. <laughs> Who Shen? Uh, yeah, so a Buddhist monk landed on the American continent in 458 AD. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, 
unfortunately, nobody really has any evidence. <laughs> they have folklore and tales of, you know, ancient tales and uh, really bad cosplayers because they looked really familiar. <laughs> Oh, the fake beard! The fake beards gave it away. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah! From the Great Wall episode. Um, it's the magician. Yeah, we have the magician who sent the emperor on a quest for the elixir of life. Apparently, as we would find out from that episode, he was to go to America. Yep. Wow! The land of mighty rivers and mountains. Yep. Yes, because there's no place else on the face of the earth that has mountains and canyons <laughs> and rivers. Yeah. <laughs> and rivers. Um, so, yeah, apparently the natives of this faraway land required noblemen, women, and skilled craftsmen. It's like, what? <laughs> As you would. I could understand one of those, but, you know, noblemen and skilled craftsmen? <laughs> um, so we meet Larry Pearson... Who, uh, total neckbeard going on there. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, he's apparently an expert on this subject. I, I, you know, I, pardon me, did you look him up at all, Steve? No, I didn't get a chance to look him up yet. Okay. Because, I don't know, how, how is anyone an expert on this subject? But we get a guy with the coolest hair that I've ever seen. His first stop is the American Indian Center at Humboldt University, where he consults with Indian expert Bobby Lake. The Pit River Indians and the Pomo Indian tribal group of northwestern California have an ancient myth or legend or folklore that talks about a giant bridge which went from this area across the ocean to another race of people who they felt or thought or believed were Indians, but their skin color was different. It was more yellowish. And the way the old legend goes is the world was purified by water and everything on earth was destroyed. And many of the high priests and religious leaders knew this was going to happen, so they gathered the people together and they moved up high to the high tops of the mountains. And while they were up there, some of the visionaries or prophets began to see another race of people who looked like Indians but were yellow-skinned. So somehow or another, you might call it mental telepathy, they started to build a bridge from this part of the continent while that other race of people started to build a bridge from the other continent. And somewhere in the middle of the ocean, they linked up together and they communicated with each other. And what really signaled all of this was the rainbow. As the yellow race of people left, and they were going back, a rainbow came up. And they said, someday this physical bridge will be gone. But remember us, our brother, because the rainbow will always be there. The yellow people. This episode is so dated. <laughs> oh, my God. They, they say something later on in the episode I almost lost my mind at. But, yeah. Uh, but doesn't this, this story sound a little, sound a little familiar? Um, About how the world was destroyed by water? Huh? And then there was a rainbow at the end. 
Wow. Hmm. I, I I have the word Noah in big letters next. Noah. Next to that. Noah. Notes. It doesn't make any. You know, it doesn't sound familiar to me. Okay. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> must, must, must have been a coincidence. Then. <laughs> well, the other thing that kind of made me well, you were writing down Noah. I was writing down Hawaii because yeah. it, it just yeah. seems very. It seems very. Um, you know, re- reverse engineered here because what's in the middle between uh, America and China? Mm-hmm. Uh, Hawaii. What's Hawaii famous for? Well, in Hawaii, if you've ever been, rains. Uh, it's sunny for 15 minutes, then rains for 15 minutes. R- sunny rain. It's rainbows all over the place in Hawaii. So somebody retro did this. And it's also, uh, you know, they they get a lot of tsunami tsunamis there apparently too. Plus, we already know that there was a land, there was a bridge between mm-hmm. uh, the Americas and Asia. We already know that exists. Mm-hmm. Ask Ask Sarah Palin; <laughs> even she knows. Um, she can see it from her backyard. There we go. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So I this uh, this is the other. This is part just one part of this whole episode that makes zero sense to me. Uh, so we meet. I can't remember her name now. There, there. What, Steve? What's her name? I I didn't get it. Okay. Although I, I will say, Jason, yes, fantastic lid on that guy. Oh yeah, I agree. I agree yeah. with you. Oh yeah, that 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 hair was spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's definitely in the uh, in the running for best hair this season. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, but supposedly there are ancient Chinese shipwrecks. I almost said ancient Chinese secret. Uh, <laughs> now you're dating yourself. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> along the Pacific coast of the United States. Uh, apparently there are junks near, uh, did she say Tillamook, Oregon? Yes, Tillamook, yes. yeah. Tillam- Tillamook, Oregon. There's uh, Chinese junks, uh, you know, uh, sunk. Uh, I don't know. They were coming for the pot in Portland. <laughs> yes. Uh, Larry Pearson investigates stones with holes in them because the Chinese use them as boat anchors or something. And Larry feels the holes. Uh, yeah, Larry feels the holes and finds they're naturally occurring in this case. Why? Why are stones with holes in them uniquely Chinese? That's my next question. I don't know. Like if you if you if you finally realize the theory of displacement and put a boat on water, wouldn't anybody back in that time think to be stationary? You have to get something heavy and tie something to it. I don't understand. This is the other part. I don't understand why that is uniquely Chinese. We're we're gonna get into a whole lot of this coming up, with uh, you know other similarities between cultures. Um. So yeah, here we go. Uh, what is I don't I don't even know what this one. Oh, the rollers. On a recent trip to the People's Republic of China, the in search of crew filming in a rural area found some large old stone rollers on a farm. We were interested to learn that these rollers had often been used as ships' anchors in early times. They are still used by some Chinese riverboats today. Ships of ancient design called junks. They are basically river vessels used by fishermen for centuries. In the famed Peking Museum, we found evidence that much larger seagoing junks once existed in the distant past. The skeleton of a giant sailing vessel has been uncovered. 
a fleet of ships of such size could have carried thousands of passengers. Okay, so there's lots of water, you know, for them to go through and make it over to, oh, India and, you know, some of the other areas of Asia. You know, the the seas were rough, but we're not talking about the ocean here. <laughs> and plus, it's been proven the USS Wyoming, you cannot put thousands of people on a wooden boat because you can't make a boat that big enough made out of wood to survive. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I have this written down here. Uh, the rollers that they were using in the rice paddies were used as anchors. Therefore, the Chinese came to America. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. That was very succinct. Um, so... They have this newly opened up Chinese museum or, well, the newly opened up China and the museum. And my problem is, you know, is it accurate? Is this, you know, is a lot of the Chinese history that they're showing like really accurate? And this is a serious question. Yeah, it's a very good question because it's under Mao. There's a, it's a Maoist, Mm -hmm. um, you know, one of the things that about uh, the old USSR is that you know Lysenko's bio- biology is that oh, yes. they taught they told people that they could grow four harvests a year. <laughs> you know, history is history is framed by the people putting on the history, and that's a very good point, Jason. That to, this is a maybe just a Maoist interpretation. To, to or, borrow to borrow a, a quote from you, Oliver, uh, put a pin in Lysenko. I want okay. to return to that at some point. You know, okay. Uh, I wouldn't even necessarily. I wouldn't even necessarily say a Maoist interpretation. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't put it pa- past them to just make it up, mm-hmm. right? Like like not like what I mean is take not even just take it known right. facts and interpret them a certain way, but actually make stuff up and create pro- propaganda. Mm-hmm. I mean that's what propaganda does. It, it creates. It, you know, it gets in search. It gets in search of cameras to your country to exactly. yes. build it up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so now we got a group of. I think they're. I think it's an American group that decided that they're going to recreate a uh, one of these giant Chinese junks and sail from China to America. How'd that out work ten, out? Yeah. <laughs> 10 out of 10 nopes on that one, people. Okay, uh, let's see. You would think that, uh, the seafaring adventurers would have checked the weather before they set sail. <laughs> they ended up in a typhoon. <laughs> um, you, you'd also think they would have had a tail ship. You know, a, yeah. a another, like, a bigger metal boat following them, you know, just in case. But they were convinced, even though even though the typhoon hit and you know they had to be rescued, they they were still convinced that they could have made it all the way to America in that boat. <laughs> well, well, not not only was there the typhoon, but if you remember earlier, the the the, the hull of the ship was being eaten oh. by sea worms. Oh yeah. <laughs> so even if there weren't a typhoon, they probably wouldn't made it anyway. <laughs> Those damn sea worms. <laughs> So now here we go. Here, here is the callback section of this episode. 
Christopher Columbus sailed across the Atlantic in his flagship, the Santa Maria, in 1492 and discovered America. Was Columbus the first? It is generally accepted that the Vikings, acknowledged to be daring seafarers, predated Columbus here. Many monuments still remain as possible proof of their settlements. Stone walls of Phoenician design found in New Hampshire indicate that they too might have been early visitors. This theory is strengthened by writings found at the site that some experts believe to be Phoenician. Phoenician, everyone drink. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, that was a callback to American Stonehenge, which isn't a henge, but is apparently Phoenician. Um, I like the way... so. They they talk about you know Columbus coming here on the Santa Maria, but then they talk about the Vikings coming you know coming first, and they show them on rowboats. It's like that's <laughs> well, how that's how tough the Vikings were. They just came on just you know little rowboats across. Well, you have to remember something because where the Vikings landed, and I think this is an established fact now, was in Steve's neck of the woods, and they yeah. were they were already in Greenland. Oh, okay. So in in, a, in a, Greenland to Newfoundland. Ain't that far away. Oh, okay. you know, there, there, there is a settlement in Newfoundland. Yeah. Well, they could have. Meadows. Well, they could have yeah. swam. From, from thousand, right? They, 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 were, they were in Newfoundland. And that was about 10, that was about 10 um, uh, uh, CE, right? Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, well, yeah, well, a thousand. thousand yeah, a thousand, thousand, yeah, thousand CE, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, so uh, let's see, as I have here. Nobody discovered America. It's been populated for thousands of years. <laughs> yeah, Leonard was trying to stress that one big time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. nobody actually discovered this place. It was always known about. Uh, so yeah, there, there's there, there, there's a, a thing. Um, Stephen Fry and Hugh Laurie did a thing called uh, A Bit of Fry and Laurie, and they used to have these sort of little Vox Pops thing. And there, one, it was uh, it, when Provence, France, sort of was sort of a, a it place to go. Stephen Fry sort of popped up and, and sa- said something along the lines of, yes, yes, we, we, we discovered Provence. Um, and when we pointed out to the locals, they were surprised to see it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so... For this next clip, I'm going to need some help on math. So let me play it. (laughs) The Buddhist religion was flourishing in China in the 6th century. In a monastery in Shenxi province, these statues stand guard over the records of Buddhist history. We learn from these stone tablets that in 570 AD, several monks set sail across the Great Sea to seek new converts to the Buddhist faith. The official account of their voyage states that the monk Hu Shen and his companions sailing eastward came upon the shores of a strange faraway land. The distance logged was 20,000 leagues, or about 7,000 nautical miles. This would place them on the coast of Southern California. Now, please, did he say 20,000 leagues? Yes. Yes. So I did a conversion in Google. I typed in 20,000 leagues, and it came back with 
60,000 nautical miles. Not 7,000. So, I'm thinking that there might have been some exaggeration going on. <laughs> Just a smidge. Because, yeah, uh, then they, you know, they found a land of rivers, which, you know, obviously the only rivers in the world are in America. Uh, and they were standing on the rim of a canyon banded with many colors. Now, this yeah. is where it just got ridiculous. <laughs> which, which obviously could only be the Grand Canyon because there are absolutely no other canyons anywhere in the world. Ah, oh, yes, but this canyon had a river winding through it. Oh. That's the clincher. Don't all Does canyons anybody... have rivers going through them? I'll <laughs> give you a math problem. Do you know how far away the Grand Canyon is for any large body of water? Sure. How much? Well, I mean, it's at least it, it's an eight-hour drive from Los Angeles, mm-hmm. so it's it's five hundred miles. Mm-hmm. That that's that a, may account for Jason's missing miles. Well, that that's a, that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of walking. <laughs> All right. So now we're uh, you know now now we're down to only about fifty-two thousand miles that we have to account <laughs> for here. Uh, so yeah. And, yeah, this episode is completely ridiculous. Uh, it really, and again, what's the point? So what? I mean, what's the point? And we still have more because now we have the similarities in design argument coming up. Oh, love this. That the learned monk Hu Shen could have brought the Mayans advanced knowledge from China is discussed by Dr. James Moriarty of the University of San Diego. I hold with many archaeologists that uh, Central American and Mexican cultures, early ones, may very well have been influenced by some type of Asiatic contact. My reasons for this are uh, not unique, and they're found in the works of many who since the 1800s, late 1800s, have worked on these problems. During the Han Dynasty, a certain type of bull with certain kinds of feet was a, a prominent feature of that culture you will find similar bulls in some Mexican cultures. Uh, You will find uh, jade work, which has been much discussed uh, uh, by some of my colleagues, which certainly shows Chinese influence and possibly even some pieces that are of Chinese origin. There's a lot more to that, and I didn't want all of it. (laughs) But even, even Leonard mentions, you know, the Mayan calendar is similar to a Chinese calendar. Um, and that's because both cultures looked up and observed the stars <laughs> and, you know, they, they kind of made some of the same calculations, which, you know, that would, that would be, uh, that, that would make sense. Um, but yeah, similarity does not indicate you know anything more than you know they're similar that's it i mean uh they found a three-legged bull in uh my in in uh one of the mayan ruins and they said oh yeah that that looks like chinese um no it's three-legged it's the minimum number of legs you need to stand something up and have it be stable that's, that's what's all. called. That's what's called a coincidence. People, it's mm-hmm. it's not that big a deal. Uh, and then they went into Indi- uh, 
Native American men, I'm not going to say Indian men, uh, don't have facial hair. Of course, quick Google search, and uh, yeah, they do. <laughs> they don't have as much as, you know, other cultures, but they have facial hair. Um, and then we meet a couple of guys who were scuba diving and found rocks with holes in them. So, of course, they're Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> well as, as somebody who avidly reads sherlock holmes stories i, I distrust anybody who's professor moriarty yes i think in the books his name was james his first name was james wasn't it yes yeah okay so this guy is looking to take over something or whatever <sighs> so yeah anyone have anything to add before i Tap on the last clip. No, please tap on the last <laughs> clip. The possible presence of Chinese explorers on our shores does not negate in any way the contribution made by Christopher Columbus. His is still the honor of founding the first continuing settlement of foreign visitors in the New World. Perhaps more important than who was first is the recognition of the valor of all those brave men who ventured into the unknown. My God, our times have changed. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Columbus deserves credit for anything. No. Uh, Except for maybe being lost. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, he thought he was in, he thought he was in the East Indies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're, you're a little far away. Shouldn't have gone that way. Um, yeah, so... All I all I have is this final note is just Christopher Columbus dot dot dot. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> uh, well, you missed you, you you did you didn't get the uh, in a clip the really offensive part where she were where one of the women referred to the slant eyed Indians. Oh yeah. yes, I wrote that down. <laughs> it was like oh my god. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I wanted to uh, you no. know incur anyone's wrath there because no. we god. we know we're in 1980 now. <laughs> yeah, dear God. Yeah, this episode, this this episode is right up there with uh, some of our other uh, great episodes that we had. Like, uh, well, not nothing is as repugnant as uh, great lovers. No, true. This um, is this is this is more like you know psychic sea hunt. Yeah, uh, bad. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, anyone else have anything to add? Steve, well, this this like this idea. Did. Yeah, this idea of Chinese explorers is not hasn't gone away. Um, there's a guy out here um, named Paul Chason, uh, who's actually an architect. Uh, he believes that the Chinese made it all the way to Cape Breton out here, <laughs> out here in Nova Scotia. Um, that he found Chinese settlements, um, and I saw I saw a documentary about him once, uh, and one of his one of his uh, bits of evidence is there. There's rock that has sort of clear cut um, cuts in them. So he says, you know, nature does nature doesn't give us sort of sharp lines. Um, and they brought they brought in a geologist, and the geologist looked at it for about a minute. And went, yeah, that's naturally occurring. <laughs> <laughs> I love the fact that the Chinese came to Cape Breton before the yeah. Irish. You know, of course. It's like... <laughs> Uh. <laughs> well, next week we have the Hindenburg mystery. 
not a mystery. Gas explodes. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> ah, yes, but don't. Why did it explode? Because oh, that's okay. the mystery. Because Ooh. it's hydrogen. <laughs> yes, but was it sabotage? Ooh, twist. Uh. Mm-hmm. And were the Kennedys involved? <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> oh dear Lord. And uh, well, two weeks from from this episode, we have uh, the end of the world. So I guess I guess we're done after that. <laughs> and and I feel fine. Yes. So uh, <laughs> Steve, tell people where they can find you. Um, I'm on the Twitter at Doc Pinko. Oliver, you can find me on Twitter at Oliver Rockside, and you can find me at Alien CG, and you can find this podcast at Illuminati Pod. I. I really got nothing clever to add at the end of this one. This episode was just awful. Have a good week, everyone. Toodles, kids. See ya.